This is one of my favorite psalms. I love this psalm. And as I have meditated upon it this week, I have thought about all of the different times I've come to this psalm and God has spoken to me through it. And how might I share with you some of that? And I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to. But I hope that the Spirit of God captures your attention here this morning. This is a psalm of David. He gives it to the director of music. And it was written for pipes or wind instruments. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for unto you I pray. Now here the psalmist David is setting the stage for communication with his King and his God. He is saying, listen to my words or consider my meditation or my lament. Literally, in the Hebrew, he's saying, listen to me as I groan from within. Sort of a silent type of prayer. He's not even able to formulate words. But he is calling upon God to understand his condition and to give ear to it. Listen to my cry for help. Here he becomes vocal. He he verbalizes his need unto his king and to his God. And he says, I am going to pray to you and expect that you will hear what I am saying. David called out to God as his king, the one who was sovereign over him. The one to whom David would subject himself in an ultimate respect. He says, I'm going to pray to you, but you are my God. You are my king. You are the one who is in control. You are the one who has the capacity, ultimately, to meet my need. And I think it's so important that we start off our prayers with that kind of attitude of faith, understanding that we are communicating with a sovereign God, a king who reigns. But perhaps even more importantly, as Jesus made clear to us, a father. Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the glory, and the power forever. Amen. We have now an intimate relationship as a father with a child, not just a sovereign king, not just a creator God, but a loving father who hears our prayers. Who knows our needs? Jesus said, He knows what we have need of before we even ask. That's how attentive He is to our concerns. Listen, Lord, consider my groaning. Hear my cry for help because I'm going to pray to you. I am going to communicate with you. I am going to step into relationship with you in a very unique and intimate way. 
In the morning, Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you, and I wait expectantly. I love this verse. In the morning, the freshest time of the day, that very first fruits of the day, David says, that is when you will hear my voice, Lord. In that morning time, I will lay out my requests or my needs before you. Now, this to me speaks of someone who has given thought to what his needs are. He lays out his requests before the Lord. He's being very intentional in his communication of his need to God. He's not just being flippant. He's not just stepping into it saying, okay, well, whatever just crosses my mind. He is being intentional. He's being purposeful. He is laying out his requests before the Lord in the morning. He's giving his first fruits of the day, of his time to God. And he waits expectantly. He has an attitude of expectation that God will respond to him. Now, sometimes when we pray, we wait expectantly, and we wait expectantly, and we wait expectantly. We continue to pray, and the answer does not seem to come. Like Habakkuk, we say, How long, O Lord, before you hear and respond to the voice of my cry? Well, God hears our cries before we even utter them. He understands our needs. But God's answers to us aren't always yes. Sometimes they are no. Sometimes he does respond to our prayer requests with a no. Other times, as with Habakkuk, he says not now. The time is not ripe for this prayer to be answered, but it will be answered. So we wait expectantly, understanding that God is going to answer. He is going to respond to our petitions. Unanswered prayer is a challenge for our faith. It is a time that we literally have to ask the question, do I really believe? When I cry out to God, am I indeed waiting expectantly? Do I really believe that God is listening? I think that is why the morning prayer is so important. Why it is important that we spend the very first part of our day in fellowship with God. Because you have an enemy who wants to trip you up. Peter describes it like this. The devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So the devil is out there seeking people who are vulnerable to attack, vulnerable to deception, whose attention is straight away 
from a focus upon the Lord and His provision. Straight away from that intimate relationship with God. And He's prepared to devour them, Peter says. But when we give the very first part of our day to the Lord, when we anticipate that He is going to hear us and we wait in expectation for His response to us, we're in a posture where we are able to stand against the deceptions of the enemy. We are able to defeat Satan's deceptions. We wait expectantly for him. Throughout this psalm, David contrasts the difference between the wicked and the righteous and the response that God gives to either one. You are not a God who is pleased with wickedness, for for with you evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence, for you hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful, O Lord, you detest. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their throat is filled with malice. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they tell lies. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. So David is writing about the wicked, those who have arrogantly stood up against God, who have rejected his offer of fellowship, his gospel of forgiveness, and who prefer rather to stand in their own strength. And David says the fact is that they cannot stand in his presence. Now, in an ultimate sense, All of the arrogant, all of the wicked, everyone who rejects God will stand before a great white throne of judgment. We've talked about this numerous times. And ultimately, they will be destroyed. God will judge them, and they will be severed from relationship with Him, severed from His presence for eternity. This is hard stuff, but it is important to understand that it is the teaching of the Bible. But when we come in prayer, both Peter and James tell us that God is opposed to the proud. So we should never come into prayer in a proud, boastful, or an arrogant manner. We come recognizing that we are weak, that we are poor, that we are needy, but that He possesses everything that we need. When we wait in expectation upon Him, He renews our strength. We grow stronger, not in our own strength, but in His strength. So God does not hear the prayer of the wicked. And it's an interesting thing to me because it's so common now for people to say in our thoughts and prayers, they tweet it out. You know, some crisis happens like in, in Las Vegas and people tweet out in our thoughts and prayers. But nothing about their life is characteristic of godly righteousness. Now, I'm not judging them. I'm not saying that they are 
are or are not Christian, but what I am saying is that when we bring our needs before the throne of grace, there is an intercessor there on our behalf, Jesus Christ. And if we're not in relationship with Jesus Christ, the prayer is simply not heard. This is why Jesus says, ask in my name and you will receive. But there are many who, who do many kinds of religious works. And they even suppose that because they throw the name of Jesus into the mix, that they are going to be heard by or honored by God. But Jesus tells us in, in Matthew chapter 7 that he will say to those who are hypocritically arrogant, who are standing in their own strength, who are just posers, he will say, depart from me, you who practice iniquity. I never knew you. Those are sobering words. That is something that as we consider this topic of prayer, we need to say, pay close attention to. Am I in fellowship with Jesus Christ through faith in the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection on my behalf? Or am I just a religious posture? Am I using the name of Jesus? Am I throwing out trite expressions like praying for you when in fact I never actually do pray for others? Hard questions to ask, and David brings those up in the context of this psalm, the morning prayer. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In the prayer request box this week, there was a beautifully honest prayer that someone had submitted asking how they could be loved by anyone, let alone loved by God. And it really touched my heart because I thought, how many people have those same thoughts? Wonder, how could anybody ever really love me? How could God ever accept me? David answers the question in verse 7 here. He says, I come into your presence, into your house, O Lord, because of your great mercies, because of your great love. God loves us not because of what we have done, not because of the capacity that we possess, but because of his great mercy. Because God is love. David recognizes that his entrance into God's presence, his entrance into fellowship with God, is purely and simply the mercy of God in action. He loves you. Not because you're all that great, but because he is love. You don't have to do anything to impress him except to bow before him, that humility of heart, that reception of his free gift. David says, in reverence, I bow down and look toward your holy temple. Where's your heart at this morning? Are you willing to bow the knee and to take the Lord's ring and kiss him? 
honor who the Lord is. That's one of the words for worship, proskuneo. It means to bow down and kiss the ring. Or are you arrogant and proud, standing in your own strength, with a veneer of Christianity covering you, but a heart full of rottenness and dead men's bones? You can enter into His very presence. You can come before Him in His house. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, if you will simply humble your heart and receive His free gift. Lead me, O Lord, in Your righteousness because of my enemies. As I said, the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There are those who are opposed to your walk with Jesus Christ who want to stumble you, intentionally desire your downfall. Others perhaps are less intentional but no less oppose the message that you live to share. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness. Again, another reason why the morning prayer is so important. Martin Luther said that when he had a particularly busy day, he would add an hour of prayer to his prayer time in the morning to seek God, God's wisdom, His direction. How should I plan my day? Lord, direct my steps as I go about your business. So for Martin Luther, it wasn't about finding time in his schedule to pray. It was all about adding time in his schedule to pray, particularly when he was faced with a lot to do or challenges before him. So too, David, lead me, Lord, in your righteousness. Make your way straight before me. This is such a powerful verse. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our prayers are to align with God's will, to establish our lives based upon God's will for us. This is what Paul writes about in the book of Ephesians. He says, you are his workmanship, his his masterpiece, his poema in the Greek. You are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ, which he prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. So every day as you rise up, God has a plan for your life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is directing your steps in the works that he has created for you to walk in. I believe that. I believe that. And that's why the morning prayer is so profound. Because it is during that time that God's spirit fills me, that God's word guides me, and that as I enter into the challenges of the day, I know that he goes with me. There's no more powerful force in the universe than the will of God. 
The will of God is the most powerful force in the universe. And when you align yourself with the will of God, you are literally undefeatable. But so often, and I am guilty of this, absolutely, so often I forsake that time in prayer. I figure I've got more wisdom up here than has been granted here. And I'm going to figure out my day, you know? I'm going to look at my my planner. I'm going to deal with the challenges I have. And I avoid bending the knee, bowing down in reverence, letting His great love envelop me. And I'm impoverished because of it. We need to align ourselves, church, with the will of God. And we ascertain or discern the will of God through the word of God in communion by prayer. When we do that, David says, we can take refuge in him and be glad. We will evermore sing for joy. Because he spreads his protection over us. He says that those who love your name may rejoice in you. I loved how Anne shared a few weeks ago the biblical 911. Psalm 91.1 where the Lord covers us under the shadow of his wings. That's what happens, church, in the morning prayer. He covers us. He shelters us. He guides us. And we can sing for joy because we know we are undefeatable because the sovereign God goes before us. He has spread his protection over us. Regardless of what we face, I recall one time spending many, many hours with a woman in the hospital who was dying. And she was not a Christian. And I was sharing the gospel with her. And one day, by the power of the Spirit of God, she accepted Jesus Christ. And she had about a week to live. And I would go in on my lunch hours and we would spend, I still remember her face. Her countenance was so flat and she was so discouraged she was going to die she was afraid but after she accepted christ that last week every day i would go in and greet her and her face was full of the joy of the lord that's what david's talking about here He's saying, the Lord has spread his protection over us so that we may rejoice in him and sing evermore for joy because we have taken refuge in him. We understand he will never leave us or forsake us, as Dan shared with us this morning. Whether that's today when I'm in full health and strength or whether that's the day before I die, he will never leave me or forsake me. He spreads his wings about me. And he spreads his wings about you as well. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. 
You surround them with your favor as with a shield. 1st part of every day I commit to God. I spend time in prayer and in the Word. It has become a routine for me that, as I have suggested, is uh, incalculable in the success of my walk with Jesus Christ. I want to suggest to each one of us here this morning that we consider the gift of the morning. That God commands the morning, as He said to Job. And that we give that time to Him in prayer. In silent or spoken communication with the Sovereign King, the Creator God, the Father who loves us all. Heavenly Father, we do thank You that You have given given us so much grace that we are able to communicate each and every one of our needs. Cast them upon You because You care for us. I pray, Lord, that for those of us who are engaged in morning prayer, that You would make it oh so much more rich each and every day. But for those, Lord, who have yet to discover the beauty and the power of aligning themselves with your will at the beginning of their day, that you would just speak into their lives, into their hearts, into their minds here this morning, an invitation to join with you and to give you the first fruits of their day. In Jesus' name, amen.